Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Hello. <laughs> I, I like that little pause there, you know, a little, my partner, Hari, you see? The anticipation, it's, <laughs> it's important. Suspense. All right, yep. let's get going. So the last episode, we talked about GameStop and their business. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, to that one, be sure to check that out before you come to this because uh, it's very relevant. Uh, you, you, must, you must listen to the first one to understand what we're talking about here. Um, actually, before we do that, let's, uh, should we do a quick disclaimer, Hari? Yeah, so um, the Value Investor TV podcast is designed to help you um, learn how value investing works. Um, it is for information and uh, entertainment purposes only. It's not for uh, specific financial advice. We're not your financial advisors, nor do we know your specific financial situation. So please contact uh, or consult with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Awesome. All right, let's get started on this one. Um, guys, uh, before we start, let me just say that this uh, this this. Um, GameStop episode, last one and this one, came from one of our listeners. And I want to mention to you guys, his name is Grenville Fernandez. Fernandez, sorry, I butchered your name, Grenville. Uh, but thank you guys, uh, thank you, Grenville, for sending, sending this uh, our way. Uh, and so I encourage all of you, uh, like Grenville, to send over... Um, companies that you would like to uh you'd like want you'd want us to go over because i think it really cultivates the the community that we want to create uh the value investor community online so uh thank you guys uh, for for all that so let's get started um so um in this episode we're going to be talking about kind of the the financials right hari uh, yeah in, in the previous episode we talked about how you know at this point in our checklist we don't really see a lot of value in understanding more about the business at this point in the check at this point in the checklist given what we know about this company now we are more interested in the assets looking at their balance sheets uh, to see if there's anything that we could kind of parse out that would be a value to shareholders so right um, you, uh, you want to take it away from here yeah so you know I, I think the important thing to understand here is that um, Let's first talk about since you know we've we've kind of moved away from this as in business ongoing business <clears throat> to more about the balance sheet. Um, you know what are the assets that the business has? So a lot of people are cons you know, um, and I think the the when Grenville emailed us, he was asking you know how do you determine if this is a value trap? You know, mm -hmm. um, and so you know the it's a good question. Um, you know, a value trap for those of you who don't understand is that it looks very cheap on paper um, and because it looks cheap um, you buy but then the business continues to erode over time um, and then eventually it, it goes bankrupt or it runs out of money and then you lose um, so you know a great example of that would have been Sears that you could have seen for a very long time that it was a value trap um, you know that um, the business kept declining um, and you know there was no real path forward um, you know, when you look at GameStop, one of the things that uh, we want to look at is, you know, are they profitable, right? So the first thing that we want to ask ourselves is, are they still making money or are they losing? Mm. Um, so in 2018, you know, one of the things that was interesting about this is that 
Um, in 2018, they sold Spring Mobile, which is um, uh, a uh, you know cell phone uh, business, for 730 million dollars. Um, and when they did so, they were also able to retire about 300 million dollars in debt, uh, maybe a little more than that. Um, so that allowed them to be in a much better financial situation. Um, and it got rid of a business that was really struggling and uh, tearing you know, down the bottom line. Um, so in 2018, they had $8.2 billion in revenue. Um, and if you looked at their gap accounting earnings, um, you know, they had a huge loss uh, for the year like a negative $7 per share loss. But if you read a little closer to the uh, you know thing that they're non-GAAP, so that, that they took a goodwill impairment, um, which means you know the, they wrote down the value of the goodwill on the balance sheet. Um, and in doing so, they had to take a charge to their income, right? So this is very common for businesses to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that they took an, a goodwill impairment was the market cap of the company had significantly shrunk and so by gap rules, you know, there's, you know, when you do this is, you know, there's some leeway and when it can be done. Um, but they took this write down, which effectively is a non-cash expense. So they didn't have to spend any money to do this. It just lowered the value of the assets on the balance sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when their goodwill um, was uh, written down, it went from 1.3 billion. So goodwill again for those of you who don't uh, down to 364 million. Mm. Uh, so for those of you who don't understand what goodwill is, uh, or for have you know you can listen to our uh, episode on uh, balance sheets uh, from earlier. But goodwill is essentially the price that you pay over the book value for an acquired business. So if I buy a, a business that has fifty dollars in equity, but I pay a hundred dollars for it, then I mark fifty dollars into the goodwill section. Um, and so that is an asset that um, is, not a, uh, is not a tangible asset. Um, it is not something that you know, is, I can sell to another you know, business um, unless somebody buys the entire business uh, from me. Um, and so goodwill is not a, uh, you know, when we look at this, you know, we're going to now start kind of an analyzing GameStop, not from a business perspective, for, but more from a liquidation uh, type perspective because that I think seems to be more appropriate here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so in 2018 they had 850 million dollars in cash, and in 2019 that became 1.6 billion. So that was after they sold and they got some free cash flow and they paid down some debt. Uh, they have 1.6 billion in cash, um, and if you look at their market cap, the market cap for the entire business right now is about $750 million, uh, mm-hmm. 770 or something like that. So, um, you know, it, they have more cash on hand than they do uh, their entire market cap. So they could actually buy up their entire business just with cash on hand. Um, and, you know, so that's kind of an interesting concept, right, is that um, you could buy this business for $750 million, um, and net yourself $1.6 billion. Now, yeah. It doesn't quite work out that way because they have operating leases and they have debt. Mm-hmm. Um, so the owner of a business would also have to account for $474 million in long-term debt that they have. Mm-hmm. And they also have operating leases that uh, over a five-year period uh, total around $945 million. Um, so what is an operating lease? Is It's essentially the, the lease for their stores uh, and for their headquarters and things like that. 
Um, so operating leases are things that you can't break. Um, you know, if you declare bankruptcy is kind of the only way to get, get out of an operating lease or pay a penalty, um, which is essentially the amount of money that you would to rent that uh, store. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times uh, companies, what they'll do is when they rent the store, they will just let the operating lease expire. Um, and about three, th- 30% of that will expire this year. Uh, another uh, 35% uh, will expire in one to three years and 20% in three to five years. So, you know, they don't have a ton of uh, leases that will be three years out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they'll have uh, gotten through about half of their operating lease. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they can uh, fund all of their operating leases through cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. So through earnings. Uh, and right now they're still a profitable business. So as I was talking about the, the goodwill impairment that was a non-cash expense, um, they are still cash flow positive. They're making about $230 million in free cash flow every year. Mm. Okay, so that was a lot. I just said a lot of yeah. things. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Becca, why don't you... Yeah, can we say a couple things there? So when you do goodwill impairment, what happens is your net net income, because you know people like to look at net income as kind of the indicator of how the business is growing or, or shrinking for that matter. When you do an impairment on the goodwill, this accounting expense that you're taking out from the asset part of the balance sheet gets also booked in the income. So your net income artificially goes down. So it goes down artificially, but the problem with that is this is an, this is an accounting this is a you know this is an accounting net income, so to compensate for that we have to really look at free cash flow. That's what Harry's talking about towards the end. Free cash flow is the actual cash that's coming in to our bank account. So this impairment doesn't affect free cash flow. So we need to look at free cash flow. That's one. The other side of things that he uh, Hari mentioned is the cash balance as well as the um, as well as all the lease obligations that they have to fulfill, and so those were the, kind of the two big main points that uh, that that you that you alluded to, Hari. Did I did I make sense there? <laughs> yeah, no, there was a lot I, there. Yeah, I, I think um, you know what we're doing now is kind of analyzing how would you get return the money here to the shareholder, right? Mm-hmm. With with that much cash on hand. You know, they can essentially, like I was saying, they can buy out their entire business through a share buyback or, um, or you know, pay you a dividend of $16, you know, because they have about uh, $16 per share uh, per person right mm-hmm. now uh, or per share. So, you know, th- there is a, you know, from a value investment perspective, uh, you know, early on in Buffett's career, what he was he would do is he would buy these so-called net nets, right? These are net um, current uh, t- assets minus total liabilities uh, would give you sort of, um, you know, how much money the business has. Um, and if there was a significant, um, you know, if that was significantly more than the, the market price, uh, you, you know, you would kind of uh, be able to, to walk away with this. So their equity is 1.3 billion. Um, but that includes, um, some goodwill and, uh, and other things. Um, so if you were to kind of do this net net calculation, what you would see is the cu- current assets are 3.1 billion. Um, the long-term current liabilities, um, 
is 2.1 billion and uh, long-term debt is 470 million. But the problem that we encounter with this is that they also have 900 million in operating leases that they won't just be able to get rid of, mm-hmm. right? And so you don't have a net-net situation here where there's a significant margin of safety for you to, to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Their current liabilities minus their total, uh, cur- I'm sorry, current assets minus to- 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 total liabilities is not enough to get give you enough cash if you if you were to do this, right? Um, so, yeah. but you have a business that's still generating free cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I would say is liquidation is not an, not an option here because, you know, net, uh, it doesn't really g- get you much in that yeah. way. But what you could do is actually do a share buyback um, or pay a dividend, you know, a significant dividend to the shareholders to give them, you know, access to that $1.6 billion in uh, cash, right? So this is now, we're now talking about capital allocation decisions. What's going to maximize the shareholder returns, right? You can pay dividends, which they already currently do, um, you, uh, about a dollar uh 50 or so um and they're still profitable so they they could continue to operate like this but the question is how long will they be able to go in this setup right could i let me just jump in there really quick and kind of summarize kind of high level points that that you mentioned because i think this this is a really important concept like harry mentioned warren buffett made it early in his career made all of his money using this net net strategy if i could explain this net net strategy in a very simple way it's like you have a used car that's that's you know five thousand dollars. You buy it for five thousand dollars, but in the glove compartment, you op- you buy the buy the used car and you open up a glove compartment to clean out the used car or whatever, and you find seven thousand dollar in there. Seven thousand dollar in there. So effectively, you made two thousand. The difference between seven to and five, you made two thousand dollars. That's what kind of net net is, and I think that kind of cl- paints a good picture of what, what NetNet is really all about. So what we are doing here is we're stripping away the business and just looking at the numbers, just looking at their their bank account effectively and seeing if we could buy this outright, could we make a profit? Is there $7,000 in the glove compartment is kind of the question that we're trying to answer for ourselves here. Yeah, and so the, the answer is that you could, um, you know... <laughs> You could buy this for seven hundred and fifty million or so, uh, and get one point six billion in the glove compartment, mm-hmm. uh, which is yeah. which is kind of nice, right? But but then you have to still pay nine hundred million, nine hundred fifty million in the operating leases, um, and you still have to pay for um, around three hundred million in uh, or four hundred million in their uh, debt. Right now, what you could do is if you were to buy this business. You know, in five years, all of uh, essentially eighty percent of the leases for this business would be expire. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what you could do is you could kind of sit on it and wait till the cash flow kind of uh, dries up as the you know as this goes out. Now, the problem is I can't estimate those cash flows out to three or four years because I don't know how quickly it's going to dry up. Right? If mm-hmm. if we look at the free cash flow from twenty sixteen, it was three ninety four. 2017 it was 321 2018 it was 221 or 231 mm-hmm. sorry so you know it's slowly declining mm-hmm. um, and I don't know how long it's gonna really last right mm-hmm. um, it may be three years it may be two years it may be one year um, you know where you're trying to wait till these leases kind of run out mm-hmm. um, 
you know, so, so, you know, now that we've kind of explained all of these, you know, these various scenarios, you know, um, the problem that I have with a business like this is that I see value in what they, you know, in, in owning it, you could, you know, there could be a buyout that occurs. There could be, you know, something that kind of drives, you know, value. The problem that I have right now is that I don't see management kind of slowly rolling this, you know, they're going to try and take that $1.6 billion war chest and try and reinvent their business into something new. And I just don't see that as a good use of capital, right? They're exploring this esports business. They're kind of, kind of reinvigorate that with, you know, training. Maybe it works out. Maybe there's knowledge there. The new CEO that they brought on is, has no knowledge of gaming. Mm. As far as I can tell, he is a, you know, uh, train, uh, you know, worked at target and worked at, um, you know, other retail stores, you know, video games are kind of a different, different beast. You can't sell. And that doesn't mean that he can't adapt and learn the video game business, but there are certain things where, you know, people are going to put their ego. I can turn this around and instead they should be thinking, how do I maximize shareholder returns? And as much as I would like to say, well, I can buy this for 750 million, um, and they could buy, you know, do a share buyback. The problem is ultimately that the the moat has eroded away. Mm-hmm. So the ongoing assets of the the ongoing business uh, operations are not going to be there as they are today in three to five to seven years. Mm-hmm. And with that war chest that they have, they need to be thinking about paying the shareholders, not trying to take that money to, you know grow into a new business you know yeah i think it's a really interesting perspective that you bring forward there hari because we see a lot of these growth companies that are starting you know sprouting and becoming big but we don't hear a lot of success stories of successfully closing down the business because it's not glamorous right it's always trying to get better you know become bigger but in the attempt to get bigger in these dying industries people are burning away the shareholder return. They're not really thinking about shareholder return. They're thinking about, like you mentioned, egos and things like that. And when I, you know, when I read business literature, no one, I, I don't think I've ever read an article or any sort of literature that talks about how a successful CEO successfully closed down a dying business. You know, I think that's a hard thing to come by. Yeah, and, and I w- what I would say is there. that doesn't mean that there isn't potential value here that could be exploited. My fear is that the current management or new management as they just started a week ago or a a month ago um, is that they're not going to use that capital to uh, return it to shareholders effectively. You know, they talked about some cost cutting measures that may have some one-time benefits, Um, you know, cost savings uh, around operational efficiencies at the headquarters office. And, I just don't know how this is going to play out successfully unless what you say is we're not going to open up any new stores. We're going to let all of the stores kind of age out on their operating leases. Um, and then when the business ends, we just shut it down. Um, I'll give you a great example. Um, there was a company called, um, I believe it was called Egghead Software. This was in the early uh, days of the internet. Um, mm. They had been operating retail stores around the city uh, or around the country. And when it, the internet came on, they realized immediately that software would be distributed 
online. So they basically just shut down. They just closed all their retail stores and then um, uh, switched you know, away. I don't see forward-thinking businesses like that very often, right? Most mm-hmm. managers are going to say, well, we have a great brand. Let's go leverage that brand into something else. Mm-hmm. And that comes down to this capital allocation. Like, how do you use this war chest that you have to maximize shareholder returns? Well, the way you do that is you pay the shareholders. You don't try mm-hmm. and take... Go and you know you don't go buy game companies and try and you know do stuff like yeah. that. You don't go and build your own game assets. That that's not going to you know be valuable long term. And as much as I think esports is an interesting play on the gaming space, um, and it's it's a lot more popular. I just don't see how they can wedge themselves into this when the game companies can control you know esports. E- and the leagues like Overwatch and um, you know League of Legends and things like that, I don't know how how they can wedge themselves into that when Fortnite and these other companies are backed by multi multi billion dollar businesses. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think what's interesting to me is this. Uh, you know, when 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 the company is in the declining phase the management is scrambling to figure out what to do and there's hordes of consultants and investment banks that are trying to sell them this cosmetic surgery right to hey just do a facelift and become a esports company now there is probably a hordes of you know these consultants out there trying to sell this new vision but you know we need to be really careful of of those of those of those minor, you know, little tweaks, cosmetic tweaks, because fundamentally the business itself is not, if the fundamental business model is broken and it's, it can't be adapted to the new age, the dynamicism that I talked about in the first episode might be, you know, might be the dynamicism to become something new is, is it won't be, won't be shareholder friendly. The dynamicism to shut down is, it might be a better option for shareholders. Yeah. And I, um, and I will say, I'm not trying to completely throw management out. The board of directors has authorized a $300 million share buyback. At current prices, that's about 40 million, 40% of the um, of the shares outstanding. So there is opportunity there for returning money to shareholders. Um, but if they buy back 40% of the shares, you still have the problem of the earnings per share is declining very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And that money can get turned negative um, in a in a heartbeat, you know. So, yeah, you know, to me, the the answer is still is I, there's too much here that, and I I don't have a lot of expertise in this kind of value, you know, uh, asset, you know, th- where these assets are declining. What do you do in those situations? So, I would be, you know, I can see a path forward, but I don't know that necessarily management will appropriately. Um, you know, handle shareholder money. And this is not, I mean, this is fairly common in, you know, in, in the way management would think, um, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah. you, you're not going to get too, you'd have to have an activist type of investor who'd come in and just, you know, buy up a bunch and say, you know, pay a dividend with that money instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now I think they're controlled enough by existing board doesn't want to kind of, you know, explore, uh, explore the, uh, a dividend. You know, the share buyback to me is actually less, valuable right in a declining earnings per share uh, market i'd rather just pay a dividend here mm-hmm. yeah 
really interesting case study, I think. And thanks again for uh, Grenville for sending this uh, th- sending this our way. I think this was a really interesting case study of a you know, kind of declining industry, declining uh, retail space, and kind of our thought process, our thought experiment on what they should do for max- to maximize shareholder return. Uh, I think I think it was a good case study for us. Um, I think that's it for us. Do you have anything else to add before we close out, Hari? No, I, I just want to say thanks to everybody who sends send us uh, emails. You know, we really appreciate um, that that you take the time to to do that, and we uh, certainly enjoy it. It also helps us, you know, come up with new companies uh, mm-hmm. to talk about, like today. Um, and you know, we we have a couple more, I think, uh, to talk about from email requests. So, but keep mm-hmm. them coming. You know, we really appreciate it. We appreciate um, the kind words also. And, uh, you know, the more um, you guys participate, I think the more everyone gets out of it. So, uh, exactly. So please, uh, please keep keep it coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If I could also mention this, um, for us, you know, for both of us, we want to, you know, we want to really build out this community of value investors. And one of the, one of the ways that you guys are helping us with your emails, but one of the, one other way that you could help us is by uh, going onto Apple podcasts and giving us a rating. Um, I think Apple podcast is kind of this de facto standard for a lot of the indexing uh, algorithms. And so if we have more ratings higher ratings uh will be picked up by more people so um that would really help us so um I w- we would we would appreciate we would appreciate that a lot all right um thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next one yeah thank you all right see you guys bye, bye.